Hello there. This is another episode that's brought to you in part with support from an arts and culture grant from the city of Fort Myers. We sure are happy to be able to help highlight all the arts goodness that's coming out of our little corner of the world. Now, here is the show. One, <laughs> two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that generates biography using musical memories. We use sonic experiences buried in the brain to bring forth our guests' personalities and personal histories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Seth Ford. Seth describes himself as an almost Fort Myers native with his first few years spent in Brevard County. He comes from a long line of Florida Fords going back seven generations in the state. His family has roots in Fort Myers dating back to the early 1910s, and Seth grew up just blocks from the center of the old downtown, what's now referred to as the River District. His family has a history with a few churches in Lee County, where he and his five brothers and sister were raised singing songs and learning music from their parents, who were both singers. Seth has worked for more than 17 years for a local company called Rhino Linings, and for the past three and a half years, he's worked for a company called True Tours, giving guided historical tours through downtown. That's where I generally see Seth, and sometimes we give each other a nod as I drive past. He says he loves that job very much, and with his deep roots and storytelling nature, I can certainly see why. His brief bio ends by saying he loves his wife Jennifer and their daughter Amelia, and that together they've got a band called the Shy Tunas that can be seen playing the streets of Fort Myers and at other events like the Florida Folk Festival. Seth's been on our three-song stories list for a while now, so let's do this. Hey there, Seth Ford. What's going on, man? Uh, all kinds of things. Um, what's your earliest memory of downtown? Not your earliest musical memory, but you know what? What? What is your like early memory of what downtown was? I came uh, probably with my. Uh we were living on the other coast for a while and then in Claremont for a little while or winter garden as well. And we would come down all the time to Fort Myers to see my grandmother who lived here uh, on Luckett road, my grandmother and grandfather. And I do remember them taking us through downtown. This would have been, I don't know, 79, 80, something like that. Um, just going through there. I remember that in uh, the early days of the French Connection, right mm-hmm. there on the corner of Jackson Street and, and First, uh, my grand. When I was a little kid, my grandmother took me to get an Easter suit at Coley Westbrook, and uh, and then for lunch she took me over to the the French Connection, which I don't know if it was the French Connection. It might have just opened as that. I know right. it was another restaurant before that, but uh, she took me there and we had lunch there. And I remember sitting there thinking, "Wow, this is like a real." A, a city, you know, because I was used to yeah. living a little bit outside of it, you know. But then, then uh, we we eventually wound up moving closer on on Jackson Street, uh, you know, during my my formative uh, middle school years and high school years. But yeah, probably I'd say early eighties, late seventies. You know, what's funny for me is because you know I got to know you through the late, mid to late nineties there when Liquid Cafe was happening and whatnot. And you know, I had just started coming downtown around nineteen ninety when I was graduating high school, and I had no idea that you and your brothers had such deep roots in downtown. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't necessarily part of the narrative at that point in time. But for you, you'd been hanging out there for 
decades. <laughs> in the yeah, in the eighties, uh, we'd get on our bicycles and ride to you know the yacht base, and there was a little break wall right next to the Edison Bridge, and we'd go out there and stay. The break wall's still there, actually, but we'd uh, go out on that break wall and fish. Uh, when I mean, this is the eighties; you could still do that back then. Right. Um, there was it was kind of abandoned. It was a little bit empty. You know, the only thing down there was the Sheraton that had just been built not long. Yeah. You know what during after the, during that time. Um, we'd ride our bikes all over the place. It was just, you know, our little playground, and we yeah. loved it. And, of course, we watched it change throughout the years, and then the explosion take place over the last 10 years. And yeah, it's and now it's like a whole new animal. It's nothing like yeah. what, when I was a kid. Uh, uh, did you grow up being mindful of your family's deep Florida roots? Was that always part of your family story? Not at all. Huh. Not not by any means. Uh, I When I was a kid, you know, I was told that our family was from here and that, you know, we had deep roots in the area, but it was something that I generally didn't care about. You know, I didn't really think that much of it. My dad, uh, my dad met my mom in Pensacola in like 69 or 70, and he came from West Texas. And when we were growing up, you know, Dallas was on TV and we thought because he was from Texas, you know, that that was really cool and everything. (laughs) We're going to sing some more theme songs later. Later, Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, But uh, I thought that that was cool and didn't really think much of Florida. But as I got older and uh, as people more and more would say, you know, oh, you're from here, you know, with a shocked look on their face. I would be, you know, I, I started to get a little more proud of the fact that yeah. I'm a I'm a Florida native with deep roots here, you know, and uh, going way back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what was the musical background of your childhood there on Jackson Street? <clears throat> My father was a uh, he grew up in uh, right near Lubbock, Texas, in a place called Leveland, Hockley County, right near New Mexico, and uh, he grew up uh, being trained to sing. Uh, he was immersed in the Assemblies of God out there, a uh, church in West Texas, and they trained him to sing. And eventually he became, uh, you know, a rather popular singer there. He won a big award. I was told about it when I was a kid, but I don't remember much of it for being like the best tenor in the state right out of high school. And that segued into a career in gospel music. He sang with a bunch of different groups uh, in the late 60s. Um. One of them specifically, the Dixie Echoes. He spent time singing with uh, James Blackwood Quartet. But uh, that was actually how he met my mother, who uh, was singing with a group here based in Florida. It was called the Sammy Hall Singers. Sammy Hall's an interesting guy. He passed away a few years ago, but he's actually related to us as well. Hmm. Uh, He had a great group called the Bird Watchers in the 60s. uh, Based out of Fort Lauderdale. But um, she was singing with him, and they met at a... um, at, at a gospel music convention in Pensacola, and they were married, and then uh, he decided to leave the road, so to speak, and he started pastoring a church, and the first one was in Odessa, Texas, just for a little while, but then he moved to Merritt Island, which is where I was oh, right born. on the other coast. Yeah, that was where I was born, actually in uh, uh, Cocoa, um, and then uh, we spent a little time in Winter Garden. He, he pastored a church there as well. Uh, and then we wound up uh, kind of in a weird situation in Fort Myers, back in Fort Myers, because this is where my mom was from. Uh, we came back here, and uh, he wasn't. He stopped pastoring, and he got a job, and he used to. Uh, he decided to start going back on the road. But by this time, he had already had six kids, and uh, 
he uh, would pick me up from school on the weekends, take me out, and we would drive to different places all in the southeast. I was the competent child. Oh. And I would go out and you I would You got to run. go on the road with him. I went on the road with him from the time I was about six or seven until I was like 14 or 15. I was doing it every weekend. Wow. And uh, we, we, I mean, I got to see the really the better portion of the southeastern United States with him. Uh, I tell people he had a Mercury wagon and he would stack these old JBL speakers in the back and put a... Um, sleeping bag on top of him, and you know when a when a concert was done, he'd go hop up there, and I'd sleep on top of those speakers, and we'd drive <laughs> back to Fort Myers to try and get me back for Monday morning. But um, you know, they were always we were immersed in music. Uh, we were trained to sing as little kids. I have memories of being very very little, and my mother lining us up like the Von Trapps and making us sing, you know, Doa Deer and things like that. I can picture it. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, they got us to sing, uh, you know, gospel songs, contemporary Christian music songs um, growing up, which, uh, uh, you know, they were immersed in, uh, in, in, they were big Bill Gaither fans. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, mm-hmm. um, but uh, they, you know, they, uh, his wife uh, wrote some children's songs and we would sing those. And uh, it was just, you know, we were constantly trained to sing. And we what were about guitars and stuff? Because I know that that's there too, right? Well, the rest of my family, uh, my mother's portion of the family, um, are very, very music. My uncle, his name is Tom Sturbins. He had a uh, a church on Palm Beach Boulevard, and he is a very accomplished. He's a f- unbelievable musician. But he's also written a lot of songs that have been recorded by uh, Christian artists. Uh, my uncle, his name was uh, Tim Sturbins. He is kind of a strange one. He has this is just a musical background. He um he was he sang for in Oakland, California in the Rever- Reverend Walter Hawkins Love Center Choir, um which is a black gospel choir out there. It's it's not together anymore, but that was in the 80s and that was unusual to see him. He was the one white guy in the group. Um <laughs> I have my mother's uh, aunts and uncles, all of them played country gospel music and they played guitars. And uh, and my uncle Ben played a harmonica. He lived not far from where we're sitting. Um, so there was a lot of live music then being played uh, around you all the time. Constantly, you guys were just immersed in all of this. Yeah, there was a guy named Bill Smith, Billy Smith. He was uh, Frog Smith's son. Uh, who was a well-known newspaper guy here in Fort Myers. Any he, relation to the Bill Smiths we know today? Not the Bill Smith. I don't think they're related to the Bill Smiths, the appliance and television people. This was uh, There was a, a well-known um, newspaper. He wrote articles here. His name was Frogsmith, and this was his son. And he played the piano. And he would come by the house, and he would practice with my dad when I was a kid. I remember my dad standing there singing while Billy would play the piano. Um, you know, that was, that, that was something that was – it was – music was – constant. It was nonstop. Um, you were, you know, as a young kid, we were forced to sing. I say that light, uh, lightly. Forced to sing in choir uh, <laughs> at church and forced to sing all the time. And then, you know, as you get to your teen years, things change a little bit. I do. I, I have to say this as well, uh, just talking about the musical background of my family. Um, the coolest thing I think that any of them were ever involved with is I have an uncle my father's brother, he's an opera singer, and uh, he went to Europe and spent a lot of time there singing. But in 1986, he was involved in a recording of a, an opera in Minnesota called The Abduction of Figaro, okay. which is by a guy named P.D.Q. Bach, which is a character that was made up by a guy named uh, Peter Schickley. He was the director for musical pathology in uh, the University of North, Southern North Dakota at Hoople. University of Southern North Dakota? 
It's a joke, actually. <laughs> but uh, Peter Shickley, it's great. And that was the coolest thing I think anybody in my family was ever involved with, um, was my uncle doing that. Now, I'm not really much of an opera fan. I don't really know much about opera. But you can actually see that on YouTube. It's called The Abduction of Figaro. And it is, a lot of people call Peter Shickley the, um, the Weird Al of classical music, but I'd rather call Weird Al the Peter Shickley. I like the sound music. of that. We'll be using that as adjacent content when your episode comes out. Please look it up. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get to your first song. Okay. It is uh, it is right up there with gospel and all that stuff, right? Well, <laughs> I like I said, I was immersed in gospel music and contemporary Christian music when I was a little kid. And we were going out on the weekend. My father had gone somewhere, probably North Florida, on the weekend, and I was... Oh, good Lord, this was maybe 1983. I remember it was cold, so it was probably the winter of 83. And we were coming home. <clears throat> he had this little green Datsun, and he pulled. We were driving through Arcadia, and uh, he pulled into the Kmart in Arcadia, and he ran inside and grabbed a tape. Uh, I waited in the car. It's different times. And uh, <laughs> I uh, waited in the car. I came, he came back out, and uh, he brought the tape, and he showed it there. He, he just unwrapped it, and he grabbed the cassette out of it and set the cassette down. I picked it up, and I saw this guy on the cover. Uh, it turned out to be Michael Jackson. Yeah, and the first time kinda, I ever saw him. Kind of lounging. Yeah, just lounging <laughs> there. And I was like, what is this? I, I, you know, we didn't listen. We had never heard anything like this before. I'd never seen anything like that before. And, I, and he put it in, and it started playing, and I had never heard any... You, you asked for songs that evoke memories, and this uh -huh. is, that's what we're shooting for here. Uh -huh. Not my favorite song, but it evoked a memory. And he put this song in, and I started listening to it. It didn't sound anything like anything I had heard. And I was like, what are we listening to? And my dad goes to me, he says, uh, it's Michael Jackson. And I said, who's Michael Jackson? And he goes, he's bad. And I went, well, if he's bad, why are we listening to him? And he just looked and he laughed. And uh, years later, I asked him about it. And I said, why did you buy that that day? And he was kind of a Quincy, he's a music production fan. And uh, he knew that Quincy Jones did the work on it, you uh -huh. know, and, uh, and that's the reason he bought it. And uh, that was my very, very first that I can remember experience of non-Christian music. Right, right. And it, I still remember hearing those, you know, those violins at the beginning and, it just it kind of blew my mind, and uh, suddenly I was listening to things on the radio, and you know, just kind of that was a that was a moment that was where your things gateway. just it just they took a they, they pivoted, you know, all of a sudden after hearing that, and it was kind of it was kind of shocking, uh, and and you know can't turn back from that, especially when Michael Jackson's involved. So well, let's listen to it. Yeah, why not? Uh, this is the first track off of that album called Thriller, uh, 1982. Uh, this is one of be starting something. So that's a pretty long song. Yeah. Uh, did you guys sit in the Kmart parking lot listening to it together in silence? Did you hit the road? What was going on? We I'm just trying to imagine like what the dynamic was between you and your dad during, I'm going to say, I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> we would have been on the move uh, at, at, always. I think even to this day when you get in the car with my dad, it's just, let's go, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, we. I just would have been. I don't remember thinking about what he thought when I heard. Right, you, you were know, so I immersed. was just. I was immersed in like, what in the world is this? I didn't. I had never heard anything like that, and uh, and so no. I, I we would have been moving. We would have been heading back towards Fort Myers, but I didn't take a second to like look up and think about probably you know what he would have thought of it. Yeah. I'm sure he enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm sure he did because I mean that the production on that record is just fantastic, and it's Quincy Jones, and he's told me many times, you know, a couple of times he loves Quincy. 
Quincy Jones. You know, he likes Quincy. So, you know, but I never took a moment. I was a kid. You, you know, listened to the whole rest of the album, too, on the way home. You would have probably had about enough time from, what, you said Arcadia? Yeah, Arcadia probably would have heard at least the first half, at least. I'm sure we did. Um, but I don't know about the rest of them. But it wasn't long after that that, you know, you could not escape you know, seeing Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. You know, that was the him. beginning of him being completely pervasive. Billie Jean. Oh, yeah. That, that takes me right back to Fort Myers Middle School because that came out probably my sixth grade year. Right. And so that's, you know, all the dances we had and everything. Were Everybody's just, trying to moonwalk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You were asking during the song who did the guitar solo, Richard, yeah. who we got. Yeah, that's David Williams. David um, Williams. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he's been the guitarist for... Madonna and Julio Iglesias, The Temptations, Aretha Franklin. Um, he did all of Thriller. Um, he's he's the guy strumming um, in the background of Billie Jean, like the the little strum that holds it together. Mm-hmm. Um, he's on the Bad Album. Um, he's, he's he's Michael Jackson's guitar. He's Michael Jackson's guitarist. <laughs> uh, do you listen to much Michael Jackson these days? Um, well, my wife loves Michael Jackson, so, so we still listen. Yeah, we still listen to it. You know, occasionally it'll you know she'll play it. It'll come on. Um, you know, it's not to be. Uh, I, I don't ignore it. I love Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. I think he's great. Yeah, you yeah. Know? and uh, and it's and it's happy. You know, good feel good music. I don't mind that. Hmm. Uh, so, where does music fit into your life these days? Besides playing in a band called the Shy Tunas. <laughs> We, we, uh, my wife, I met her a long time ago. She was playing in a band. I was playing in a band. A friend of mine suggested that I go and play bass for her. Um, and she wrote, she's a songwriter and she's written tons and tons of songs. And I met her. And, uh, when we got together, she was still writing songs. She still had the band. And then when we got married and of course we had our daughter, Amelia, um, things obviously shifted a little bit and she started taking things to a little bit more of a family friendly route. She was originally in a punk rock band, but, uh, called Genji, but... Uh, I remember the, that. You do? I don't remember seeing that, but that sounds very familiar to me. If you ever went into Silver Platter Records, which was here in Fort Myers for a long time, she they used to have her, a tape that she made, you know, there. Mm-hmm. It was available. Um, but uh, she, yeah, her, the route shifted, and she started writing more, you know, kid and family-friendly songs, and she's been doing that for about seven years, and they're fun, and they're easy, and people seem to like them, and people enjoy them. They're funny. Uh, it's called the Shy Tunas on Bandcamp. You can look it up. It's really easy to find and go and there. Shy Tunas, all, all one word. The Shy Tunas, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Just one word. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's still you know it, there's instruments in the living room at our house. Um, our child is encouraged to play. She's taking piano lessons. She's, you know, her last name's Ford, so she has to sing. What all do you play? You say you play bass. Do you play, like, acoustic guitar? I play guitar. Uh, I can play it a little bit, just strumming along. I played bass in a band here for a long time called the Strip Club Moms. Had, I heard of them. Yeah, it was uh, Doug Davison, uh, living and dying on Brantley Road. Uh, Brett Hendershot from, uh, you know, from Fort Myers, Fort Myers native, more than me even. Um, you know, we played for a long time together. You guys used to be a hit downtown, man. At uh, <laughs> We played at your place quite a few yeah, times yeah. at uh, Liquid Cafe. Um, you know, we'd see you there. Uh, there's, it, that was, uh, for a long time I did that. And then... Uh, what you about know. listening to? Like, do you are you guys spinning CDs? Are you guys streaming Pandora? What is your source of music? We do 
listen to, uh, you know, it, we have Spotify on, which is on a little box, you know, in the living room. And we just, you know, we'll call things out all day long, you know. So you're high just, tech. Yeah, well, we just call it out and, and, you know, hey, you know, hey, Google, and then, you know, and, and just say something that we like. My daughter, you know, picks a lot of what we listen to, and I don't how mind that at all. How old is your daughter all. now? She's seven. But, so she's you know, at that age where she suddenly knows things that you don't know how she knows it. Oh, yeah. 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 Where, 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 what did you learn at school today? You know, yeah. what did those kids say? How do you That's know the constant. lyrics to that song? I, <laughs> <laughs> That's my big one. At about that age, you're just like, how did that happen? It happened yesterday. There was some <laughs> song called X's and O's, and, uh, and, and, and she started singing. She knew all the words, so I was like, I never heard this song. Yeah. It just yeah. happened yesterday. It's funny you say that. Yeah. yeah but um, Do you remember the first music that you owned when you were a kid? Yes, I do. Um, the first thing that I went out and bought myself was um, a movie came out in the mid-'80s called Crossroads, and uh, it was uh, Ralph oh, Macho. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. As soon as it's you said Ralph Macho, good, I'm like, It was yeah. Ralph Macho. It's got Steve Vai. It's guitar. got Steve Vai at the end, and he's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I watched that movie. That was like a movie. deal with the devil kind of thing. Yeah, yes. it was about yeah. Robert Johnson, the deal yeah, with the devil yeah, yeah. thing. And I saw that, and, you know, you only heard so many Robert Johnson songs in the movie. That's kind of what inspired Ralph Macho's character. But I saw it, you know, I heard it, and I was like, man, that blues sounds really cool. I want to go. I want to go get that. So I went to the record bar in the Edison Mall. Yeah, right next um, to the gold mine. Yeah, uh, Fish was working there, a guy named John Keane, uh, Fort Myers legend. Uh, he, uh, I, I, It was him and another guy, and they, I, I went in there, and I said, I want to get this tape. And they said, well, we don't have it. They normally stocked it. He says, we don't have it. But uh, if you, you know, he... Uh, if you order it, we can get it in like a week. And I was like, well, okay. And I wound up buying it like maybe, I don't know, three or four months later. But the guy that was next to Fish, I can't remember, I still see his face. But he said, uh, if you like the blues, you want to get this. And I said, what is it? And he handed me Howlin' Wolf's Greatest Sides. And uh, I took that home and listened to it and loved it. It was really great, and it was awesome. And it kind of immersed me in the blues for about a year. And uh, eventually I wound up getting that Robert Johnson tape. But I really loved that Howlin' Wolf's Greatest Sides. It was just, I highly recommend it. It's like a must-own blues record. It's really fantastic. And that's the very first physical you know, uh, form of music that I purchased. When was the last time you bought a piece of music that had a physical form? As a family, I think we did probably about six or seven months ago. You know, we see other families out at events that we play at. Like this, I think you had mentioned the Florida Folk Festival, um, the uh, Barberville Fall Jamboree. We'll see other people there who make music and they'll have it on CDs. And we'll, you know, we'll like give them a couple of bucks for a CD just from other you know, families, yeah, uh, other support people, other, other makers yeah, of music. Mostly now these days we're into, you know, family folk music. And um, that's, you know, we see these other bands play and that's where we hear a lot of our music and we, you know, we find out about it through them. Um, specifically, there's a band in Tallahassee called the New 76ers. Uh, it's a guy named Danny Goddard. He was the Strip Club Mom's original drummer. He's hmm. from San Carlos and they're a big band up there. And he's turned me on to quite a bit of music and, uh, and it's a lot of it folk. It, we listen, I listen to a lot. We listen to a lot of that now these days. Hmm. Um, you know, yeah. Go to karaoke song. Yeah, um, and it stoned me by Van Morrison. Okay, I'm pretty good at that song. I like that song. When was the last time you karaokeed? Probably about a year ago. Okay, yeah. So you don't shy away? No, no. Uh, singing is good. Um, it's fun to sing. I've, I'm a fan of your podcast, and I hear other people. You know, you ask these questions to others. 
and I hear them go, and you say karaoke, a lot of them, you know, I think a common response is, oh, no, A majority are shy away. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't like, man, I think that everybody deep down wants to sing, whether it's in the shower, whether it's in front of people, whether it's, you know, riding in your car, no matter what, I think people want to sing. I think people singing together is a wonderful thing, but if you want to, you know, go out there and show people the world that you have some level of talent, um, why not? And if you don't have that talent, people are probably going to let you know. But it, it still feels good to sing, yeah. you know. And so I'm not I, – I don't turn up my nose at karaoke. If people want to sing, God bless them. Are more, you f- more power to Are them. you familiar with Dan Byrne? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's the guy. He wrote um, some music in that uh, He did all the – Dewey- yeah, he did basically all the songs in the Dewey Cox, the Walk Which are story. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to interview him once, and we talked about that, and he said for like two years, he basically was Dewey Cox. Like he – like when he, when, they, when, they, when he was done with that movie, right. he had to pull out of it. Okay. <laughs> come back kinda to like, uh, Kind of like uh, – um, what's his name? The guy uh, – when he did Man in the Moon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Andy Kaufman's story. The uh, Andy Kaufman uh, story. Jim Carrey? Jim, Jim Carrey, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Well, the reason, though, I bring up Dan Byrne is I saw him once in Gainesville at a little place called Common Ground, and I remember oh, him yeah. saying, um, you know, it doesn't matter how you sing, it just matters that you sing. And I thought, hey, I that kind of resonates, you know? Yes. Uh, people should sing, you know? I mean, it, it, makes, you, it makes you feel good. Yeah. I think it does, uh, and I don't think people should shy away from it. So should we sing a TV theme song together then, Richard? Yeah. Stand by. What do we yeah, got? Yeah. What do we got? In the not-too-distant future, next Sunday AD. Oh, I don't know this one There well was enough. a guy named Joel, not too different from you and, and me. me. <laughs> he worked at Gizmonic Institute, just oh. another face in a red jumpsuit. Did a good job cleaning up the place. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, I know it, but I don't know it well enough to sing along. God, it's been so long since it I was heard that. Mystery Science Theater yeah, 3000, man. I knew the, I, I knew ten, I mean, two seconds in, but I just don't remember the lyrics. I'm at the Hendershots. Brett and Darren and my friends uh, in the early 90s, like 1990, and I went over to their house one morning on set, basically lived there. Um, in like 1990, I went over there on a Saturday morning, and they were watching this show, and it was one, it was a Hugh Beaumont was the episode, and it was rock climbing, and I looked at it, and I was like, what is this? And they were like, oh, it's the best show on television. You guys, and you guys do know that that's back, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's uh, the, the gauntlet just got put out on Netflix. It's not the, you know, a lot of the same people are involved. Joel Hodgson's still involved, but uh, it's on Netflix now. Yeah. It's called Mystery Science Theater 3000. Watch it with your kids. Um, I mean, Dan Harmon and Joel McHale write for it. They um, do? I didn't know they that. They have. Hmm. Um, I know Baron Vaughn, jo- uh, Jonah Ray yep. are the Justin new guys. Justin Roiland. That's right. That's right. Adam Savage. Oh, Patton um, Oswalt. Patton Oswalt, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and I do have to check that out then. Oh, it's really I, good. I, I, I had seen it on the periphery, but I hadn't tracked it down yet. Um, okay, it's time for song two. Okay. And it is what? Uh, it's a song called Filler by Minor Threat. There is a little bit of a backstory. Um, uh, we moved into the area just south, south central Fort Myers, just south of downtown, uh, you know, uh, around 1985. And uh, we had met all these new kids that had lived in the neighborhood. And one of them, he was kind of like the, you know, like out in the front. And he had, you know, he was like the leader of the neighborhood, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, he, had, he had come from Connecticut and he had spent some time up there. And he came back from Connecticut one summer and he had a tape with him. And we all went to his house. It was right near the corner of Grand 
and uh, Jeff Cott, I think it was. And uh, we came, we went over to his house, and we walked in there, and he was like, "Hey, you know, we, we had, you know, we knew music, and by that time, we were, you know, submersed in popular music. Yeah, you had some Michael Jackson under your belt, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and we went in there, and 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 he was like, "This is the only thing to listen to," and he put this tape in. And I still remember uh, you wanted memories. This I still remember him hitting, you know, play on that tape. And this was the first song that came on, and it just my brother was there with me. I don't know if he remembers it. Which brother? Uh, John. Mm-hmm. I have four brothers, by the way, for listeners: they have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Of course, yeah. For Seth. those of you that went to Sunday John school, John was my year. John was yeah. I think yeah. he was the same year as you. By the way, we went to school together at Fort Myers High. Yeah, yes. I think it was in the same grade as your sister. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, he, you know, my brother was there, and he uh, the guy is he he hit he hit play on this, and um, it it this changed directions for everything from the second that it came on. I challenge any 14-year-old to this day to listen to this song and not have it just light up their world. It's it's uh it's just it moved me. Um it's powerful. It's really powerful. It's not family friendly, it's not nice, it's aggressive. But I'll never forget the first time I heard this, and this kind of turned things into a where, uh, you know, oh, it, it doesn't have to be on the radio for you to listen to it. It's aggressive, and it's powerful, and, hmm. it'll, and, uh, and, and it kind of just changed the direction that things went from that point on out. All right, let's hear it. This is a Filler by Minor Threat from their self-titled album, which, according to Wikipedia, is also referred to as First Two Seven Inches. Yes. Okay. Released in 1984. That's further from Michael Jackson than Michael Jackson is from gospel. It was a sea change, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was it – was, uh, was. So what changed first? That's also the first track on that album. Yeah. Yes, it <laughs> was. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, that's right. That was the first thing he put that tape in. That was the first thing we heard. Um, and, man, it just – I didn't want to stop listening to, to that after that. Man, it just changed. It was great. It was great. And uh, it moved you, you know. Yeah. It, it, it changed uh, the way that I looked at music. You know, now all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't just what you heard on the radio. You were part of this popular club that had to, I mean, this exclusive club, I should yeah, say. exactly. That had to, you know, send away to get your records, you know, through the mail. Right, and, and, and dub uh, them for each other. And, and that, yeah, 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 exactly. Hmm, did you try to make music like that soon thereafter, or? No. I no. was not good at making music like that. My hands can't move that fast. You know, the guy who played guitar, Lyle Presler, on that song was just how, super fast. How was that kind of music received at your home? Not well. Um, <laughs> it was. Uh, it had you know words that were not uh, uh, appropriate for our home setting. Those um, words are it, kind of offensive, no matter who you are. Oh yeah, and and uh, <laughs> it just it it didn't you know it wasn't uh, it wasn't calming it wasn't pleasant i hope that one day well my my daughter one day is going to come home with some music that i'm probably not going to like and that i can be uh graceful about it you know um it, yeah it, it kind of changed the it just changed the way everything headed it really did you um you know you had all the brothers and a sister were you guys all listening to the same stuff together were you guys all off in your own separate universes how much overlap was it um not me and my older brother, John, we spent the same – we shared the same bedroom for years. I mean until I was you know, practically all the way through high school or he was through all the way through high school. Um, we listened to a lot of the same you know, because we were in the same room together. And he liked you – know, he listened to that too and other stuff that we wound up picking up from friends. Um, my little brothers, I would give them tapes and uh, hope that they caught on. For two of them, they did. 
Uh, Mark and Luke uh, became bass players and guitar players, fantastic musicians. And uh, I gave—I remember I gave them this record called Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen, and they loved it, and they sat there together and learned you know, a lot of the songs is like 50 songs or 40 songs on one record. Wow. And they sat there and listened to it. My other little brother, uh, Matthew, he didn't get into it so much, but he can sing like an angel. I mean, he's just, he was blessed with that, that super beautiful yeah. voice. And my sister mm, just was, you know, she's one girl in a house full of boys. <laughs> she's going to find a way to go her own direction, which she did, but she's got a fantastic voice as well. Um, are you a dancer? Uh Yes. Yeah. I will dance at the drop of a hat. Uh, I don't mind dancing. I think it falls in line with singing. I, I was think... wondering. I was going to challenge you if you backed off of it, but you're running downstream with it. So no, I, I yeah. Cheers. Oh, go downstream with it. Absolutely. I think that people deep down want to dance as much as, oh, I don't do that. I stand against one. You know, that's fine. If you feel that way, I realize that self-consciousness is going to take over in most, uh, you know, public situations. But, um, you know, if you can get over that and let go every once in a while, I think it's good for you. And, uh Oh my! At weddings, you know, which we're all required to dance at now these days. Yeah. Uh, I don't have anything against it. I think everybody should participate. Um, I think that it should be, you know, uh, I think that it's lost in our culture to a degree um, and should be part of, you know, what we do, get together and dance together as people. You know, I think hmm. it brings people closer together. I don't have any problem with it at all. Uh, uh, live musical shows that you've seen over the years. Is there um, one in particular that is like... That was it. The one that stands out, which was uh, more than any other, was my very – I saw – I grew up immersed in gospel music, and I saw a lot of very well-known and very influential early gospel acts as a child Mm -hmm. um, that were influential in the the, uh, music business in in its entirety. I I met people that I didn't realize were as influential as they were, and I didn't think anything of them. It was was just just, part of what your life was like. Yeah, but like, uh, you know – these are names that you're not going to recognize. The Happy Goodman family I saw them when I was a little kid. Les Beasley from the Florida Boys played Catch With Me. You know, if, if anybody, which I doubt is going to listen to this, knows about Southern gospel music, you know, they would recognize these names. Older people would recognize these names. My father sang with James Blackwood, and I would sit on a, on a bus sitting there watching. He never spoke to me, but, you know, he was, he was a very influential guy. Um, these were all early parts of my life, um, and I went to tons of their concerts, but... In February February 14th, 1989, uh, Metallica played at the Lee Civic Center, uh-huh. <laughs> and that was kind of uh, a, an event that changed the, the lives of many people, almost everybody that I still know to this day. It was a big, big concert. Everybody I know I didn't that go, I would be but friends. I remember that. Oh, it was massive, and it was just, it was a mind-blowingly good show. I mean, I'm that, just going to point out that on YouTube, if you were to Google, you could you could see that concert. Yes, you can. That exact concert? That concert. Whoa. Yes, you can. I've it's looked on it YouTube. up. Whoa. Oh, it, was, it was fantastic. It was just it was it was just excellent. I still remember uh my buddy Darren and my buddy Doug, Doug Davison yeah, were yeah. right next to me. You know, when the curtain dropped at that show it was just uh How far back just, were you? Where were you in the We were very close to the stage and then just I mean just chaos ensued. I mean I we we all got trained. I think everybody left with a bruise at that show. I mean it was just so crazy. And it was just so much fun and it was fantastic and everybody most of the people I mean, you would have recognized half the people in, in Oh, I you know. know. Like I said, I mean, school. I really wasn't into that kind of music. I was like listening to like the police at that 
that time. Right, right. And but I remember like almost all of my friends were like they were going. So I can remember that being an event. Yeah. Oh, it was a big one. And that was that that show was just I still say, you know, I've seen tons and tons of bands, plenty of bands throughout, you know, my life after that. But it just kind of is all downhill after that one. It was just so good and so impressive. It was, you know, I saw Jonathan Richmond, you know, about 15 years ago. He was fantastic. Cool. Of course, everybody remember him from There's Something About Mary, the guy that played guitar in that. He's also Modern Lovers, dude. Yeah, Modern Lovers, exactly. I saw he was really great. I saw, and I, that was just, that was moving. Uh, I saw the Flaming Lips a long time ago, the Soft Bulletin Tour, which was just another, just, tragically underrated live show they're mm. really good live and that was that the peak of them you know live that they were really good live uh there's a couple a band from atlanta called the black lips me and my wife saw them when they were just teenagers they were really the great flaming lips got the black uh, lips. yeah exactly all of that <laughs> <laughs> okay it's time for song three song three um all right this one is a little bit different than the other two um my father sang gospel music for a long time or he still does. He's still a gospel singer. Um, he uh, he was involved in uh, with gospel groups in the '60s, and uh, he you know he had sang with a group called the Dixie Echoes, and also he had filled in with other groups like uh, um, uh, James Blackwood's Quartet back in the 1960s. And just as a point of reference, James Blackwood he was a very very well known. Uh, the Blackwood Brothers Quartet was a well known group in the 1930s and 40s. And uh, the best reference that I can give is uh, people would say that's Elvis's mama's favorite group. Okay. Um, James Blackwood was a really well-known tenor. My father sang with him for a long time. And then he married my mother, and he got out of it, and he wanted to, uh, to pastor churches. Um, but that kind of fell apart in the early 80s. And it was at that time that he started going back out on the road. He got a week job, a, 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 you know, during the week job. And then he would, you know, me and him would get on the road, and we'd go out, and he would sing at churches. Uh, on the weekends, um, and that ha- that lasted all the way up until I was about fourteen or fifteen years old, and then he got a call from James Blackwood while he was still alive in the late nineteen eighties, early nineties, and he said he needed a tenor, and uh, and my dad decided to suddenly he wasn't around the house anymore, and he was gone all the time. And uh, he was gone, and uh, we started, you know, didn't see as much of him. And uh, then he appeared on a video that has since that time a series of videos that has become extremely popular. They're called the Bill Gaither Homecoming series. Bill Gaither had this idea to get all of these old Southern gospel singers together before they passed away and get them in one spot and have them sing the songs that, you know, made them famous in other youth. And and he called James Blackwood to come in and be part of this. And uh, it was the third video in the series. It was called Reunion. And they were there taping it, and Bill was sitting at the piano playing a little song, and James heard him sing it, or heard him play it, and he looked down at James and said, uh, I mean, at Bill and said, uh, I got a tenor here that can sing that song really well. And he said, who is he? He said, Larry Ford. And Bill recognized him from the 60s. He said, where did that guy go? And um, he said, we'll have him sing it. So they sang it. He sang it, and he recorded it in one take. And uh, and I wasn't there. I didn't know anything about it. I was in Fort Myers, you know, fording it up on Jackson Street. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and then not long after that, we started getting mail uh, at the house from people saying, I've, you know, I, I was moved by your song. And then we started getting a lot of mail. 
And then he started singing at big events. And then he started singing at these Bill Gaither homecoming live events. And uh, all of this, eventually James passed away. My father uh, went on to record a record that was a tribute album for him done by a guy named Art Greenhaw. Um, it, uh, it featured the Jordanaires, who was Elvis's vocal backing vocal group, and a, a guy on guitar named Noki Williams from the Ventures. I think that's cool. And, um, and uh, he was on that record, and uh, it wound up winning a Grammy uh, in 2002. Or 2003, uh, I think it was 2003. Um, it beat out the Oak Ridge Boys, uh, mm-hmm. Bill Gaither, and um, oh, good lord, and Charlie Daniels for best Southern wow. gospel wow. country country Southern country gospel record. And uh, Remy's still sitting up on a, at the house. And uh, but when all that mail started to arrive, I was wondering, you know, why it was showing up. And you know, here we were, just this relatively poor family living, you know, in on Jackson Street, just south of downtown Fort Myers. And, you know, why, why is this happening? So I had seen that the, you know, my dad had copies of the VHS tapes. Um, so I got the VHS tapes out, the, this specific one, because people were mentioning this song. And, uh, and I put it in and I just listened to it there. And I was like, holy, you know, I didn't know, I knew my dad could sing, but this was really, really impressive. And this was, not only is this a memory, but it was really kind of a turning point in my family's, you know, future. You know, we weren't just, you know, those guys, the Fords from Jackson Street anymore. Now he was, you know, we're Larry Ford's sons again, you know, and, and, uh, and he still goes out and he still sings all around the country. He's in his seventies now. But, uh, you know, I learned a lot from him, and uh, I am extremely proud of this song. Hmm. Well, we have the recording from that tape, so let's listen to it. Does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? If my God is in it, for he'll not forsake his own. If you Last time you listened to that, 
Uh, when I was thinking about, you know, uh, doing this, when I was thinking about, you know, uh, what three songs would I look up, you know, I I think before that I hadn't heard it for a couple of years, you know, but uh, every once in a while I'll, I'll get out YouTube and I'll, you know, pull up the videos and just to show my daughter, you know, I'm like, look, look what Papa does, you know. And what's What's your dad think about the fact that that's all just right there for the whole world to find these days? I don't know. Does he even know it's there? <laughs> no, I think he does. Well, he knows that it's on YouTube. Right. And he knows that the songs are there. Um, you know, he's not one to just, you know, put his opinions out there. You know, he's kind of, you know, if you get him talking and you get him on a topic, airplanes, something like that, you know, sound. He loves sound equipment. Yeah. Um, if you get him talking about things that he likes, you know, he'll talk about them. But when it comes to opinions, you know, he just doesn't put them right out there. And you get in a car with him, he'll just clam up and you won't hear anything. Hmm. You know, he's kind of, he kind of just does his own thing now and he's real quiet and he gets on an airplane every once in a while, flies and sings, spends his time. He loves it. Hotel rooms, <laughs> sits in a hotel room and comes back home, you know. So I've spent a lot of time in hotel rooms with him. You've never seen so much joy out of one person just to sit in a bed in a hotel room and that just is, read a book. Uh, that is hilarious. I <laughs> yeah. kind of have that same, I kind of love hotel rooms too. Um, you know, it's, you know, music and memory, what we tap into for this show is one thing, but then the live music, it's like time travel, you know? Mm -hmm. Like that moment, it's right there and you can go back to it. Yep. You can be in that room and you can hear the people clapping. I mean, it's just it's just fascinating to me that we get to do this and that's, you know, it's just crazy. I've, uh, you know, I, I spent all those early years of my life, you know, listening to him sing. I, I ran the sound for him. I loaded up gear while he would talk to people, you know. It was my job. You were his you roadie. Know? I was his roadie. That was, that, was, that was literally my job from the time I was like seven years old. And uh, I heard him, you know, constantly. And it wasn't that big of a deal to me. You know, I mean, I knew he could sing and people were constantly impressed when they heard him. But uh, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. But um, it does, you know, I relate so many things now that I'm older to, you know, those, that formative time that I spent, you know, on the road with him. Um, and I still, you know, I have a lot of, m most things are attached to, you know, music, to, to the sounds that I hear. They really, really are. When I was asked, you know, to pick out, you know, three songs that, you know, evoked memories, I hear a lot of people do this. I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts, and I think that people just put on songs that they think are cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, some do. There's a spectrum. I tr yes, there is. There yeah. is. But I think that happens a lot. And I wanted to pick three songs that... Not necessarily I think are cool. I kind of eliminated that, really. I oh, wanted yeah. well, to we do, appreciate. pick songs that evoked a memory that at the same time were pivotal, yeah. you know, that, were, that, that changed my life in some way. Um, but they had to, you know, there's other songs out there that, you know, might have changed, but I don't have the strong memory attached to it. These were three that, you know, those, I have strong memories that are attached to them, and they were very important at that time when I heard them. So. Well, we appreciate that because, as you know, we send out instructions that are very specific. And Except, it's a, I would say you get us. <laughs> yes, you get us. And it's interesting because, you know, like I said, there's a spectrum. And like I've said before, we call this biography through music. And part of the biography is how the guest chooses to do the show, not just what they say, right. but how much they choose to reveal, what kind of songs they pick, how deep the memory actually is. All those things you know, that we've done so many episodes are all kind of coming out as – part of what this show does. Right. So kind of interesting. Yeah, I've loved hearing a lot of your past guests, uh, you know, and the songs that they pick. Uh, you know, some of them, you know, you could have called before the episode started. Some, some of them shocked no you. You way. had no idea that yeah. that was going to come up. Did you listen to my sister's episode? 
Not yet. That's like one of the few oh. that I, I think uh, I put it up. in. Yeah, buckle up. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, you know, yeah. I remember you guys from high school. I wasn't really, cl- I wasn't close to many people back then, but, uh, you know, I-, I was in the same grade. I think I had a couple of classes with your sister, but I mean, do you still play basketball? Uh, uh, no, I haven't played basketball. In I remember years, you played yes. basketball oh, yeah, in played high basketball. school. That was yes, I, I played varsity basketball That's at right. Fort Myers High School you as and well. Milt and I used Otis to be and... able to dunk. You could? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's impressive. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, and I, but I was also much better, a, a much better golfer than I was a basketball player, oh. so... Um, I was like, you know, top three on the golf team and, you know, really? a ninth on the basketball team. So, you know, Milt would get in just before me and then we would get in there toward the end and then Milt broke his hand twice in three years. And oh. anyway, I'm way down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, seriously, Megan's episode, um, just check it out. I've got time to listen this evening. <clears throat> okay. To uh, I want feedback. Um, uh, fourth song. You said you've had a lot of songs. Did you have one that had to be left behind because it was close or were these three pretty easy to get to? Believe it or not. These were not because there's so many times in my life that I remember back. I mean, I'm sure my wife has heard me tell the story, you know, of me, of being in that parking lot in Arcadia in the early 80s, you know, <laughs> going, my dad got this tape, you know, and I'm sh- she's heard that you story You should do a pilgrimage to Arcadia and try to find that parking well, lot. I'm sure Kmart's <laughs> not there anymore. No, the Kmart's <laughs> gone, but I, I think I re- when we drive by it, you know, when you come up 70, I think it's still there on the right, but uh, going up 31, but uh, I'm... Uh, yeah, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't extremely hard. It was difficult. There are, are other songs that did pop up. There was, uh, uh, some people might not reckon this, uh, Archers of Loaf, All the Nation's Airports, that was one that came to mind. Um, uh, you know, a, a Metallica song, because I loved Metallica. Um, hey 19 by Steely Dan, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I would have, you know, that that has one specific memory that that stands out in my head more than anything else. But I don't think I want to share that one with anybody. Uh, it, was, gonna, it was I'm, sorry. I got to take a second to because I've never heard of Archers of Loaf. Okay. And in my auto research thing that I do during the show, I looked them up, and I just want to enjoy for me and for Mike and for other um, Silicon Valley fans that the lead singer's name is Eric Bachman. That's right. <laughs> he's got a band now called Crooked Fingers. Yeah, he's uh, he's great, man. Uh, I love. Loved them. They were really. They were from North Carolina, and uh, and they were great. I loved them. There was uh, there were others. Uh, you know, maybe a Jonathan Richmond song. I really love Jonathan Richmond. I'm a big Slayer fan. I like Slayer, but you know, not many of those. You know, those uh, maybe not pleasant memories all the time that I want to rehash. Uh, you know, over and over. But uh, hey, you know, Steely Dan. I was a big fan of. You know, from my friends like Brett turned me on to Steely Dan. When I was in high school, and I always just thought that you know Donald Fagan wrote the coolest music. Oh yeah, me and too. Uh, and then others, you know, a lot of obscure music that I'm sure a lot of people, you know, haven't really heard. To I think I'm mentioning bands that you know really stand out to me that people probably yeah you've got a long you know, list of bands that are not going to be easily recognizable by most people. Some t- I mean uh, when at least by me, but I'm kind of an outlier when it comes to music knowledge. Anyway, <laughs> you heard your first Slayer song on this podcast, Mike. I did. Did you? <laughs> I've heard oh, my first blank song on this podcast quite a bit. And your life is better for it. I for love sure. that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a favorite band? A singing? No, that's that's impossible to say. I mean, everybody comes on here and says the Beatles. Right. Um, you know. Um, a fair and, number have. And yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. And the Beatles are, are fantastic. And I didn't get into the Beatles until you know I was into my 20s. But yeah, they're they're massive. I love the Beatles. I play from my daughter knows just about every Beatles song. You know, we play the Beatles for her. That's the first one. Um, a favorite 
in specific? No, not one. Um, I do love uh, – there are specific albums that like stand out to me. Such as? Like, um, well, uh, a big one is uh, Sam Cooke's Live at the Harlem Club. Um, it's a live record, and he does a medley with uh, I Love You for Sentimental Reasons on it. <laughs> and when he does that song, I used, I got it. My uncle passed away in 1994, and I got his record collection. I put that on one night when I was laying in bed. And I and I turned it on, and that medley it's live in Miami, and uh, in the '60s. And there's a part in that medley where he's singing, and you just hear this woman in the background go crazy screaming, <laughs> and it's fantastic. And I was laying in bed like one o'clock in the morning, and I you just hear her in the background, and I just and I used to fall asleep to that record because I loved it. I thought that was great. Um, Pros and Cons of Hitchhiking by Roger Waters from Pink Floyd. Huh, I don't know um, that one. No, it's a, it's really strange. It's a very, very uh, – it's kind of like the wall. It's just continuous. Yeah, yeah. You know, it just keeps going. But um, he, I think it was the first record that he made after he left Pink Floyd. And uh, I, I used to put that one on when I – a lot of them, you know, just records that I put on, you know, when I went to bed. Double Nickels on the Dime by the Minutemen, although that's not a good record to, like, fall asleep to. <laughs> uh, Meat Puppets 2, which, you know, Nirvana made famous. You know, with there when they did the covers of those three songs. You're right. That was the first uh, solo album he did. It was released a uh, a year before he left. Wow, I didn't yeah. know. That. Or it was actually released a year before he announced he was leaving. Wow, it would have been like '83 or '84. Yeah, I think you got yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 what would your 14 year old self over there on Jackson Street think of you now? He would have not thought about me in any way, shape, or form. Right, he wouldn't have. Uh, he, he would wouldn't not. Have, he would. He would. He would not recognize the you that you are. I don't think so. I think I would have looked at a version of me now and thought, "Oh, he's a big doofus. He's a big, uh, big he's, galoot. Yeah, he's a big galoot. <laughs> he's just an old geezer, you know, that just doesn't that that, that you know." Um, I like to look back and think, yeah, and and admit, you know, yeah, I was extremely immature because what fourteen year old is not, you know, yeah. if if they are, I want to meet that person because that's an extraordinary person. Wish I could be that, but I'm not. Yeah, especially boys. Yeah, especially boys. <laughs> especially boys with four brothers. Oh, good Lord. You got to think about yourself, man. <laughs> Otherwise, you don't eat. Uh, okay. Um, uh, you know what the last question is going to be. Uh, are there songs that you'll turn off? But before we get to that, I want to get your opinion on We Built This City on Rock and Roll. Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> you were at the, 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 the Mark Davis taping. Yes. And you, you, you were there when he st- stood up for it. Mark Davis, a <laughs> local fixture that is fantastic from Ann Annie's fame from a little band called Anchorite did a live version of the, I think the first live version of, of Three Songs. It was Stories. our first. No, no, actually, it was our second. We did the Sanibel Island Riders Conference. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Um, I sit corrected. Uh, oh, I but forgot. he, uh, you had brought this up while he was there, and I heard you mention, you know, that that it was. Uh, I, I was there in the audience, and I had heard you mention before that built this city is like the it worst. Had come song. up three or four times as songs that are. Yeah. That, I don't. Um, it's I also remember. Been like voted. It's also been like like online, like voted least popular. I don't understand it. Um, I I I can think of a lot worse songs than that one. That's just. But I mean, I've had my head stuck in music for thirty years or my whole life. You right, know? right. So I can think of a lot worse songs. Um, but I don't. You know, I'm not going to talk down on anybody's worst song. That's your worst song. There's reasons for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I just don't think that it's as bad as others. When it comes on the radio, do I turn it off? No, because I don't really turn anything off. You know, I just let stuff Are in the background play. Are there any songs plate. that you'll turn off because you don't want to have to think about the memory that they elicit? Yes. One. 
in specific, or not one, one album in specific. I got a job working at Peaches Records right across from the Edison Mall uh-huh. in the 90s. Uh-huh. And I think it was 94. And that was the year that a couple of important, Jagged Little Pill came out and they played it constantly in there. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't like it then, but I love that record now. Okay. But when it comes on, when I hear Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish off of Cracked Rear View, I immediately want to run over. And, and I know that's somebody's, that's, somebody got married to that song. Somebody, you know, couple people, I bet. held children with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I just, I remember hearing that song in 1994. And... <laughs> Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'll do what I can. Yeah, we're going back. Oh, are you going to run around and go in the control room and take out Richard? Man, it's I'll hard lock to get this door. through. It's hard to get through that glass, man. It, it's got to be. That's bulletproof glass. Oh, Do you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a... Well, hold on. Hold on. I gotta, I'm going to kill these mics because i got to ask Mike a thing before I say this on the show. On. Go ahead. All right. This is us rolling. So, Mike, uh, there is actually some like potential show news on the Hootie and the Blowfish front. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the yeah. exact details, but our, uh, yeah, our content manager here at the station, uh, Amy Shoemaker, has put potentially put us in touch to have one of the. Well, I guess they're not really. Is it the Blowfish? They're not is that the how blo- you'd No, <laughs> the whole band is Hootie and the Blowfish. It's not Darius. So, it's so it's Hootie. Not, that's Darius. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> he's not Hootie. Um, but no, but but um, not Darius. But but an unnamed member of the band that is not Darius to to come on this show. We haven't finalized anything, but it's out there. And we are trying to get Hootie. <laughs> I don't blame you for trying to get Hootie. I mean, I it would be it would get listeners. We're never yeah. gonna get him. Uh, yeah. Keep calling him Hootie. Yeah, oh. yeah, you probably. I think I remember seeing an interview where he didn't like that. Yeah, it's okay. a whole Key and Peele well, sketch. Hopefully he doesn't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hopefully he doesn't tune in uh, or download or whatever. Whatever it's called. Okay, so before we go, um, uh, three people who you will suggest this to and who you think we should talk to. I think, um, well, I'm going to tell my dad because he's kind of a big and he's not much of a ask if he'll do it. Oh, podcast God. listener. I don't think I, I can ask him. I, people ask me to do this all the time, but I can ask him. I doubt it because okay. he doesn't really... You know, if it's not going, if it's not somewhere that he gets a hotel room out of it, right? Well, um, we'll put him up in a hotel right, room right exactly. down the street from campus. Then he'll probably, you know, he kind of just keeps to himself, does his own thing. We can you know. record it at a hotel room. That yeah, we oh, can get yeah. a room for the night, meet him over there. We could do a live show. Oh, there you go. No audience in like a Best Western. I don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I mean, he's got some. The guy has oh, got I some fantastic imagine, stories. So he would just told me just the other day. I remember my mom saying, "Oh, you know, we saw Elvis at a at a music convention and blah." Blah blah. Night, you know, when we very first met, and I was like, "Why?" And then he told me the other day. I, said, I, I remembered. I said, "Yeah, mom said you saw Elvis." And he goes, uh, "Oh yeah, yeah." He was in the dressing room. He walks by, and I was like, "So you saw him in the dressing room?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "You know, we were just around. He was just around." And I was like, "You're kidding!" And I never, I didn't know that, you know. And he had seen, you know, he, he grew up. He get this. He was. Uh, have you ever heard of Larry Gatlin? Mm-mm. Okay, he was like a, a really well-known singer in the 80s. Was there like a Gatlin Brothers? That's exactly no, it. Okay, it's the I Gatlin Brothers, and he grew up with Larry Gatlin. Uh-huh. I mean, they were like buddies. He, Larry Gatlin's famous for being like the spokesman for the members-only jackets in the 1980s, you know, and, 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 and my dad, I remember him going, oh, there's Larry, you know, and, was, and he knew his brothers, and he, he grew up with them. He's got some, you know, well, really well, great stories. Well, try, try for us. I'll, get, I'll, I'll mention it to him. I, uh, you know, we'll see, maybe. Okay. You never know. All right. Number know. two? Uh, number two, um, well, uh, 
I would say my wife, well, my wife's going to hear about it anyway. I would say my wife, but she doesn't really talk that much. Yeah. She's very quiet. Yeah, I'm the talker. She's not. Well, this show kind of brings out the best in talking. It does. I just don't think, <laughs> I don't think, you know, I think it, she would clam up after okay, just a few well, minutes. She'll sing all day. If you're listening, which you will be eventually, yeah. you're invited. Exactly. Um, another one, uh, there's some, there's local bands that I really like. Um, and I think you should probably get some of the members of those local bands. Um, there's one, uh, there's this group here in town called the Electric Mud. I don't know if you've heard of them. I have. They've been on Gulf Coast Live. Okay, those guys are great. I think they, they make some pretty good music. It's, it's really good. Um, there's another band. Uh, I saw this kid. He was downtown busking one night when I was hanging out, and I just walked up and listened to him play. And he was great. His name was Angelo, and he has a band called Your Glow. Um, he's interesting, but I think maybe the most interesting guy that you could get in here as far as local bands would be, um, there's a group called, uh, it's called Gutter Love. Uh, don't let your li- kids listen to it. Um, it's terrible. I mean, it's it's terrible in a bad way, in a good way. He's <laughs> fantastic. He's in a, a very popular metal band called Traitors. Um, he has another project called Gutter God. It's a rap thing. Um, I think that, what's that his, name? his name is Alan Delatori. Um, he's, I, you know, I haven't spoken to him in a long time. Me and my wife do this series of videos on YouTube called the Cramped Hallway Sessions, where we get musicians that we like to come, or friends of ours just to come over and play. It's on YouTube. It's the Shy Tunas on YouTube. And it's, they just come and they play in our hallway. We fit as many people as we can, you know. Um, and I think that, uh, I think Alan is a pretty interesting guy. Okay. He's pretty interesting. Well, yeah, um, well, put us in touch with them, tag them or whatever, you know, do something to connect us to them when this comes Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, before we go, real quick, uh, your, your downtown tour thing. I work for a company called True Tours. We are based out of the Franklin Shops, which is on the corner of First and Broadway in downtown Fort Myers. Every Saturday morning, I take out a guided historical tour of downtown Fort Myers. It's the story of downtown Fort Myers and Fort Myers, its beginnings, how it got there. There's a couple of little family stories I throw in there because you know, I've had family that lived down there for a long time as well. Um, it's a lot of fun. I also take out a guided historical, haunted historical tour. That's on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I love this job. It is a lot of fun. Um, it is a lot of fun going out there. I really hope people show up for that Saturday morning one. That's the, that is just my joy in life is taking people out and telling them about the history of downtown Fort Myers and the history of Fort Myers. I think more people from Fort Myers should be interested in it uh, and should get involved in, in, in our history. I think it's deep and rich and that uh, we uh, Fort Myers natives have a lot to offer. And uh, it's called True Tours. You can find it at truetours.net. Um, it's a lot of fun. Hopefully I'll get some people showing up on account. And your 14-year-old self would have thought you were a total nerd for saying all that. A complete nerd. (laughs) A complete and total nerd. All right, Seth. Thank you so much for doing this. No worries, man. I had a lot of fun. This was a blast. Hey, Mom and Dad. How about we write a song for everybody? This song's for you. Make this show in the studios of WGCU Public Media on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Mike Canary is co-creator and host. Richard Chin Kui is co-creator and producer. And Tara Callaghan, me, is our online content producer. Chris Duffus is executive producer. Our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. As a reminder to our fans, please swing by iTunes and give us a review or like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram or do all three. It really helps us out. Our parting tune this week comes from Seth's wife, Jennifer. Oh, hi. 
this song is for you. This uh, this is a song was written by me with the uh, band, the Shy Tunas, which is our family band. Seth, me, myself, and Amelia, our daughter. This song, which was our daughter's idea, she came to us and requested that we write a song for everybody. And I thought that would be fun to write, and I just remember writing it and envisioning that it would become the next heal the world or give peace a chance for this generation. I don't know. It's a good idea. We all should be celebrating, and that's what this song is about, just being together and united and slapping high fives. Keep listening. Next time on Three Song Stories. Then the next thing I see, they bring a lot of leaves. Leaves. So many leaves, Mike. So many <laughs> leaves. Oh, my God. And you know where I come from? Goat eat leaves. Yeah. And I eat goat meat. But now here I come to America and they're giving me leaves. <laughs> and they had the audacity, Mike, to ask me, uh, what dress do you want for your goat, for your, for your leaves? Dress for a leaf, for leaves. Uh, I, I ate the leaves. I've never eaten so many What leaves. did you think? Did, you, did it taste okay? No, it was awful. But, you know, 